0: Up in McKinney. This is According to Callus. And we're going to have a little Monday madness. Yes, that's right. <sighs> Seems I had promised once upon a time to read the book that causes all the fuss. That's right. 1971. The book is As Old As I Am, Rules for Radical, by none other than Mr. Alinsky. Yes. And this is also the guy who Dedicates the book <laughs> to Lucifer. And uh, of course, it's changed a little bit because I have one of the new versions, but to their credit, they uh, quote it later on. And uh, I will do justice lest we forget that at least an over the shoulder acknowledgement to the very first radical. From all our legends, mythology, and history, and who it is to know where mythology leaves off and history begins, or which is which. The first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did it so effectively that he at least won his own kingdom. That's right, Lucifer. Hey, hey. talk about a guy that's very, very bold. The sad thing is, is he's not entirely wrong. And I know that at least one other episode I touched base on this. So, I promised to read this book a long, long time ago. And uh, I moved. And the book got packed away. And now that I did some more unpacking this last week, uh, I found it. So, I thought that it might be interesting to just kind of go through some of the hot topics. Some of the things that he covers. And uh, so, I'm going to borrow or read some of the information provided from wikipedia since i am currently wrapping up a short novel i decided to read over the last weekend to kind of clear my mind of all the uh let's say challenging things of the day or the month or the year since we don't seem to ever learn from our mistakes in america i just need to sometimes reset and that's what i'm doing so as soon as i finish that i will jump into this so uh, there are 10 lessons, and they, it references the idea that they have been applied to government, labor, community, and congreg- congregational-based organizations. Interesting. Interesting. The whole idea is you want to take their methods and turn it on their head. But the idea is, is, once upon a time, they took our methods and turned it on our head and, quite frankly, added their poison to it, Right. So there's 10 lessons on how to be a community organizer. Hmm, we've we heard that term before. Yes, well, it is what it is and here we go. So I am going to just jump ahead and touch base on the 12 or 13 rules if you prefer. And the reason why this is important is because we see this all the time, every day. And we need to understand... How this works and how it's being used against us. And and it is only when we recognize it for what it is that we are prepared to deal with it in a day-by-day basis. So number one, power is not only what you have, but what the enemy thinks you have. Now, interestingly enough, once again, this is not unique or new. It is just uh, repackaged uh, for military tactics. Again, not wrong. And you have to convince your enemy uh, that you have certain things or you have certain strengths that maybe you don't have. And you don't necessarily want him to or her to know what strengths or weaknesses you do have. It should all be revealed at a time and place of your choosing. Alright, number two, never go beyond or outside the expertise of your people. <laughs> Again, this is also very interesting how many times have you been in a group and you have seen this go awry? Now, the corollary to this is, for number three, whenever possible, go outside the expertise of the enemy. So, if you've ever wondered why conservatives do so poorly with young people, is it's because they've abandoned that expertise. They've abandoned the fact that they were once parents, And are probably now grandparents. They have abandoned the idea that they were young once and they can and should relate to the young people. They have ceded all that territory and there you go. Number four. Now you've probably heard this one before. I'm certain that Mr. Limbaugh, the late great Rush, had brought this up more than once. Make the enemy live up to its own book of rules. The left is very, very successful at this. And quite frankly, we don't have a counter to this because we believe that rules matter. We, we believe that we should follow rules and they pin us down in the very rules that we have created for ourselves. And through that, let's go to number five. Ridicule is man's most potent weapon. There is no defense. It is almost impossible to counterattack ridicule. It also infuriates the opposition who react. When they react, it is to your advantage. Now, some people that know me personally in real life know very well that I have been uh, actually practicing and preaching this very tactic, though slightly different, with a specific target or two. And it is only when it is used properly that it works. And uh, it would be a good idea. Number six. A good tactic is one that your people enjoy. So again, you stay in your expertise and you find something that you enjoy doing. And you do it well and often. Well, number seven. A tactic that drags on too long becomes a drag. So... This deals with the idea of immediacy, right? In today's day and age, everybody expects an immediate reaction or immediate results for the things that they are doing. And that's true and fair in in the constant day that we're waging our battles, but sometimes. And, th- and this is something that is helpful because this plays on the fact that people get bored very quickly, particularly our enemies that are following this. If we are a little more patient and have a little bit more (sighs) design to our actions and are careful. We can outlast their stuff and we can fight back more effectively. And number eight, keep the pressure on. Once again, when you're going after somebody, you can't let up. And that's why when you're a candidate and they start piling on you, it never stops. Because they know that if they just wear you out long enough, you'll capitulate. You'll collapse. And we've seen this play out in local elections. We've seen this play out in our state house seats, right? Do you ever wonder why a good conservative becomes a not-so-good conservative? It's because the pressure is always on. Number nine the threat is usually more terrifying than the thing itself. This is also interesting and this can be taken both ways. Fear is real and if your enemies fear you and you get a good amount of fear based upon a little action, that's far more valuable than taking a lot of action and getting no fear result. That's my takeaway and that's something that quite frankly, we need to practice and we need to work on. All right. Number 10, the major premise for tactics is the development of operations that will maintain a constant pressure upon the opposition. So this is building upon probably the last four rules here. We want to have a tactic that operationally continues to put pressure on the opposition. So if you ever wondered why certain people go on social media and constantly go after another individual and wear them out. When there's really no battle there, there's really no constant argument, but the pressure's always being put on. It's because it's an easy, noticeable, and and quite frankly, usually powerful action. Now, there are ways around that, but if it continues for long enough, it starts to have a long-term effect. Once again, going back to Rule number seven, where it says if it takes too long, it becomes a problem. Yes, but if you're patient, it pays off. All right. Number 11. If you push a negative hard and deep enough, it will break through into its counterside. This is based on the principle that every positive has its negative. So this is like inverting the problem, right? So, uh, for instance they have constantly gone after the Donald, right? To the point where it's ridiculous and people begin to see that it's ridiculous. And the counterattack is basically now that people just ignore anything and everything that is said about the Donald. It doesn't matter if it's real or not or true or not. It's just tired of hearing it and they quit paying attention. All right, number 12. The price of a successful attack is a constructive alternative. I don't quite get that one. Off the top of my head, the only thing I can think of is that um, if it works, then your opponent will find a rebuttal. So you have to keep coming up with new and more... uh, Frequent and uh, altering attacks. So I I guess maybe that's it. I don't know. I haven't read the book yet. But like I said, that's the next thing I'm going to do here. So here we go. Number 13. And this is, again, really famous here. Pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. This is where they single a person out and they just beat on them mercilessly. You don't go after an organization. You don't go after a foundation. You don't go after a movement. You go after one of the leaders, or one of the key members, or one of the donors, and you wear them out. You attack them, and you beat them into submission. And I got to say, I I I see a lot of value to this, but it's kind of dangerous. I mean, for instance, you know, as you may be aware, we have some issues in the McKinney uh, school district, and at least one of the members of the school board has a job or works for an organization that's probably not going to look too kindly about some of the things that they're protecting in the school district. And when that was brought to the attention or even attempted to be brought to the attention of that place, the um, board member acted quite surprised and quite upset about it. So one wonders if perhaps we were to keep up the pressure and... To continue to do that. And then, I don't know, what might the results be? I I don't know if that's too icky for some people, but it is something that needs to be considered. Because when you're fighting a battle, sometimes it becomes more important to win. And you deal with the consequences later but that's dangerous territory. You want to be really really careful. They always say, you know, the worst result of a battle is you can become your enemy or you can become worse than your enemy. My my response is better to defeat your enemy and deal with the bad stuff afterwards than to lose because you were afraid to get your hands dirty. And I, and I think honestly that's some of what's going to come across in this book. I I'm not a fan of the guy per se, but if it works, it works. And clearly they have been successful. Clearly they have done a good job <laughs> of chewing us up. <sighs> All right. So th- uh, there's some criticism here. So being that I'm looking at Wikipedia, I think it's only fair <laughs> that I look at some of the uh, criticisms. Hardened to focus upon the expertise of an outsider who... Views communities as muddled sheep waiting to be organized and not capable of and not capable groups with existing social psychological networks and ties. Uh, yeah I <laughs> uh, well that's funny. <laughs> uh, and, oh and here we go. Gendered authoritarianism that fetishes conflict as a panacea which evaluates feminist perspectives as irrelevant. <laughs> uh, what's interesting is it's uh it is ironic. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll go overly simplistic focus on perceptions of power. Yeah, maybe. So this is uh, someone named Stahl and Stoker, and they describe the issues between public and private split and community organizing and gendered organizing tactics as the difference between community organizing, which is masculist, and organizing community, which is feminist. (laughs) Okay. All I would say is, Uh, Alinsky is known worldwide and was quite successful. These other two people I've never heard of before I looked on Wikipedia. So (laughs) I'm really not sure. Uh, there's a reason why this stuff works. It's because it's direct action. It's effective and I don't have to like it and I don't have to uh, want to support their outcomes, But I think we should be well aware of what it is they're doing so we can effectively fight back. And in fact, we should counterattack with some of their own methods. That's the way it should be doing this. But unfortunately, there's a a fear among the right that if we use these tactics, we'll somehow dirty ourselves. We'll somehow be lesser than. And quite frankly, I find that sad. I mean, look at the, the former president, the Big O. He followed a lot of these tactics as a community organizer. Someone down in San Antonio, according to Wikipedia, uh, organized Hispanic neighborhoods. I wonder if they're Latin, Latino, or Hispanic. I'm not really sure. And his use of congregation-based organizing received as much acclaim as the method of Olinsky's pre-existing solidarity network elements or neighborhood elements. Interesting. So basically, they used pre-existing groups to build upon. Yeah, that's a symbiotic method or a parasitic method, depending on how you're doing that. Very interesting. Uh, and it just talks about how they've been linked to some of the other groups. And <laughs> Jesse Jackson. Interesting. And here we go. The book was disseminated by the Tea Party conservative group Freedom Works during Dick Army's tenure as the chairman. Yes, it was. And I distinctly remember that. And the idea was, we wanted to understand what they were doing, and we still do. And then it references the fact that Hillary Clinton wrote a college thesis regarding this mobilization model, but found the strategies of only limited use to the conflicts of the time. Well, again, did Hillary Clinton win? Mm, No. Uh <laughs> but I gotta say, she's uh she's still a force to be reckoned with and we would be foolish to ignore the uh very tactics that she has absorbed over her life. And look, this stuff is not going away. This it's very um preeminent in a lot of things. And we not we can dismiss him as a bad guy. We can say that this is a terrible way to think about things. we can uh poo-poo it. We can say all that we want to say, but the fact of the matter is the stuff works and it works well enough that we have to be proactive in dealing with it. So much like I recommended reading uh, confrontational politics to several of my friends, I'm going to plow through this as quickly as I can, uh, in the next couple of weeks. And I'm going to strongly suggest that you consider reading it or at least get the highlights You should understand the 12 rules and what they mean. And right off the bat, I think I had, I'm sorry, 13 rules. I had 12 of the 13 down. I have a pretty good grasp of what they are. I'm assuming that he's going to spend some time explaining it. The idea is when you go into a battle and you don't know your enemy, you lose. Once again, military theory here. So I know I spent some time talking about... uh, that in the past, and perhaps when all this is done, <laughs> one of the grand strategies I'll come up with is a idea to where we can blend some of the uh, books, right? The Art of War, On War, and Rules for Radical, and, and perhaps one or two other ones, to come up with a cohesive strategy for battling leftists battling communists battling socialists how do we meet with the people how do we build our groups how do we get effective in holding the line because being on defense all the time doesn't win battles No, sure you might eventually wear the other personnel you might allow them to grind themselves into submission but if they're always taking ground sooner or later you run out of ground to give up I mean, even the great Russian wars, they only retreat so far. They only sucker their opponents so far into Mother Russia before general winner beats them up for them. The idea that we can continue to surrender and give up ground and still win is just a sad, sad idea. So now that I've kind of wrapped that up and laid out what I'm planning on doing here in the next two weeks, I want to take a moment to introduce an idea. Now, I've run across this from at least three different uh, podcasts or speakers, and I wouldn't call it concerning in the sense that I'm fearful, but it's concerning in the sense that I don't have a good rebuttal for it. I think it's something that we ought to take very seriously because it could really change things up. And that idea is, what if America's under judgment? What if the consequences of our bad be- behavior, of our lack of action, of our lack of defense of, quite frankly, life and liberty, is finally come back to bite us in the backside? What if we are just watching the beginning of the unraveling of America? Now, I know there's movies and there's documentaries and there's videos and all this other stuff or America's the mystery Babylon and all this other stuff. I haven't gotten into that. I, I, I try to <sighs> absorb the eschatology battle royale on the ultimate destination of America kind of on the sidelines because I, I don't really think that it's going to affect the way I'm approaching things. You know, so if you're the Schofield Baptist, right, you're going to believe something along the lines of there's a pre-tribulation rapture. So all the Christians get to escape all the bad stuff. Well, that's really nice. (laughs) I don't know that that's what I believe. I don't I don't know that that's a wise way to look at things because there's been plenty of people that have been around for many, many bad things. And they might, quote, chastise us for thinking that pattern so if we're truly under judgment there's very little we're going to be able to do to prevent that judgment but there's always going to be a remnant god preserves his own people and if we're utilizing the word if we're if we're taking ground and holding it might we be that remnant might we be the way that we saints preserve i don't know but boy That seems a lot more positive in the face of a huge negative assault. (laughs) I mean, Noah's family, Abraham's family, Lot's family, right? They all had their way out. They had to take it, though. So if the way through this is to be aggressive and fighting for that which is righteous, that which is right, that which is... mm, God-given directives, right? Stand on the word of the Lord, right? If that's, if that's what gets us through this, well, I'm already there. I'm, I'm doing that in my own mind, in, in, in my little sphere of my podcast and my influence. But how do I bring more people in? What do I do? And clearly this kind of does defy the idea that you can do it through the works of rules for radical, but I don't think that it dissuades me to not utilize some of the things in here. For many, many years I've talked about with people I know that if political organizations would utilize some of the hard-won tactics from churches, we might be in a better place. And while we're on the subject, if churches were to, I don't know, pay attention to the politics around them, pull their heads out of their sand, quit singing louder and be a little more aggressive of standing on their ground, right? And occupy for the Lord. We might be in a better situation as well. We, we might not have come under judgment if that's the way we're going to go with this theory. So if you're under judgment, you're not going to fix anything. You're not going to avoid it, but what you can do is mitigate it. What you can do is preserve a remnant, which can do is be active in fighting for that which we know is right and good. And I'm going to suggest to you that whether that's the case or not, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to investigate different ways to fight back, different ways to hold the line, different ways to proclaim salvation, if you will, for lack of a better way of explaining it. But I'm talking about both temporal salvation, i.e. liberty as well as personal everlasting salvation through Jesus Christ. Some people don't want to hear about Jesus, but they do want to hear about liberty. And hopefully after they take that liberty, they may follow up later on and want to learn more about the author of liberty. And sometimes that means you have to use tactics to back them off. you you got to fight fire with fire is the old adage, right? I referenced that about a week or so ago, but I changed it at the last minute to turning the organization upon itself, right? I, I embolized it with the idea of the snake eating its own tail. And that is symbolism too. That does exist out there. But if you can turn The evil upon itself. If you can cause it to fight itself more than it fights you. That puts you in a better situation. That allows you escape. That gives you an operational advantage for preserving the remnant. Just think about it. And uh, a couple more weeks I'll have a follow up on this. And maybe we'll talk about some different things we can do to improve the situation. So I will tell you. You know, in the in the next uh, month here, things are going to get kind of dicey. I mean, I've got a significant meeting coming up on the 26th. We've got election day on the 8th. I'm pretty sure uh, there's another pretty significant event coming up on the 14th of November. Now, I don't know what the outcome is going to be, and quite frankly, I have my doubts that if we get the giant red wave, that it's going to fix anything. I have my doubts that the uh, Republican establishment is going to allow anything good to go down. Oh, they may slow down the evil. They may put the brakes on the train (laughs) going over the edge of the cliff. But the fact of the matter is, is they weren't interested in dealing with it when they could have about two years ago. So now we're going to have to deal with it now. And throw in the idea that we might be under judgment. And I can tell you that it's got to give you some pause. That just means we're going to have to up our game. Be a little more aggressive on what we're doing. And don't operate under fear. That's all I can say. Don't operate under fear. And with that, until the next episode, I will see you on the other side. Oh. And just in case you're wondering, yes, I still need you to like, subscribe, share, and comment. Help me out. Get this podcast out there. We're trying to do it five days a week. We've been pretty consistent pumping it out at 430. Um, I usually record them a day or so ahead of time so that we can meet our time frame. Today just didn't happen. Had a busy weekend and eh, we're kicking it out a couple hours or maybe an hour or so late. But we're here trying to bring the cause of liberty to our people to grow an audience to create an active movement or a revolution if you prefer to push forth that we don't need more government in our lives we don't need somebody telling us how to live our lives I mean the ten commandments was good enough for Moses fail to see why we need ten books worth of laws now and with that, this was, according to Callus for October the 17th, episode 284, Monday Madness. And I'll see you on the other side.